You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure on Jabberjaw Media with Dewey Halpus. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week, we have my buddy Nick Storch. Nick Storch is uh, an industry guy. He is one of the uh, top booking agents in the world. Uh, he, <laughs> We met a long time ago uh, when he took Anatomy of a Ghost out to dinner. He flew out to... Um, you know, kind of feel us out and see if we wanted to work together. We didn't end up happening. Uh, but as we say in the conversation, it was a nice dinner. And uh, thanks 20 years later. But uh, Nick is the man, dude. He is uh, an incredible dude. We had a fantastic talk about music, mixtapes. Like, we come from the same uh, same time uh, of life. So, I mean, we connect on a lot of different levels. Um, Nick has one of the uh, huge t-shirt collections, the rock t-shirt collections. Um, just an interesting dude. We got into a lot of different things and it was a really fun, inspiring chat, uh, which I think we all need right now is something, uh, to kind of take our minds off everything else. And the cool thing about Nick as well, which I also, uh, champion is we didn't talk about the industry. We didn't talk about what he does. We didn't talk about, um, you know, that kind of things. This is not that kind of podcast. Um, you know, we talked about who he is. We talked about, uh, family. We talked about all kinds of different things, but you know, the, you know, behind the scenes, 
stuff isn't always interesting and it can get you know uh, like nick said you know it's just boring to talk about you know talking about his career um you know we can all see what he does we've seen what he does we've all attended shows he's he's booked i mean he's he's uh had a hand in a lot of different things so anyways uh, i want you guys to sit back and relax and enjoy this episode uh, let's get some business out of the way real quick uh, purepleasurepodcast.com is the website purepleasurepod at gmail.com is the email if you want to get in touch with me um, I'm always taking, you know, guest ideas. Uh, a few people have called or not called, but emailed and offered to, you know, hey, I could intro intro you to so and so, and and that stuff's rad because it's just uh, so organic. It's kind of like word of mouth, uh, but with a little extra. Where hey, I like this podcast, you should be on it. Um, you know, a few times that's happened, and it's been really cool. It's kind of fun to take it that way instead of having to go through, you know, publicist, publicist, publicist. Um, you know, it's it's just the the fun way to do it is get introduced by other people. So definitely keep those coming. I'll, I'll try to get to as many as I can, but I'll always email you back. Um, you know, it, it may take me a little bit, but I respond to everything. So anyways, uh, guys, I want to get into this one. This is a really, really fun, inspiring episode. Um, so I'm not going to ramble on and talk your ear off anymore. So without further ado, let's jump into my conversation with Nick Storch. Nick, how are you, buddy? Oh, I'm doing okay. How about yourself? Oh, I'm excellent. Yeah. Just on the surface Good. of the sun over here in Portland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is hot as hell, there? dude. I don't. It, maybe it's not that hot. Maybe it's. I'm not used to it anymore because it's been you know shitty and rainy all the time. But yeah, it's in the like the mid to high 80s, and it feels like 100 degrees. Wow. It's insane. It is. That's crazy. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Where are you at? I'm in Toronto. Toronto? For yeah. work? Or are you living there now? I live here now. I uh, moved here about two and a half years ago. Dude. Well, that's, yeah. that's awesome. Do you enjoy it? You know, it's funny. I was talking to my dad about this today. Quite honestly, it's the the life I I needed, not necessarily the life I wanted. If I could use a Batman reference. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, man, it's awesome here. It's uh, it's been really good for our family and and all that kind of stuff. Awesome. Were you in Were you in New York before that? I was. I was in New York for roughly thirteen years. Wow. I'm trying to think back. I know. I I think we've only met one time, and I think it was. Uh, when you took Anatomy of a Ghost out to dinner in Orange County, and it That's was correct. like chain reaction. Yes, 
Yes. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, yeah, I had no idea what was going on back then. I didn't know. Like, all I knew was, man, our $5 a day budget is out the window now. This is great. (laughs) Those were always fun because uh, whenever it happened, it was like this big deal. Like, you know, it meant the world to us. But then also, uh, you know, just having that change from having, you know, McDonald's to going somewhere else. It was it was awesome. So <laughs> I barely remember. I honestly, my memory is you know, as the older I get, the unfortunately it's not so good. Sure, sure. <laughs> Man, uh, yeah, yeah. It was a long time ago, and I, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't remember where we went. I don't remember. I just remember, uh, hey, we're going to dinner with this guy Nick. He's a booking agent. Uh, I was like, sweet. Right. And I know we had a good time. And then, yeah, I don't know. Did we, you never ended up working with Portugal, the man, did you? That was Dave Shapiro, I think. Um, That's correct. Yes. Okay. And then Dave, to my knowledge, you, Dave parted ways because it just was like not in his wheelhouse. I don't remember. I remember him. I could be wrong, but I remember him saying something to the effect of like, yeah, it just wasn't, you know, what I was looking for. Like I, it wasn't what I was into. So maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I remember it being like an amicable split yeah. when that happened. Yeah, I think I left either right before or right after that. I don't remember, but uh, I, don't, uh, I stayed out of the business side of things just because I, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but I just uh, didn't really even think that far into it. I was just more interested in playing the shows and where we're going to be next and, and all that business. But uh, yeah, so, you know, what, 20, no, oh, 17 maybe years later, thank you for dinner. <laughs> you're very welcome it was excellent and uh i'm stoked to have you on the show man i've i uh i'm trying to think what uh man i'm trying to think what what came into my mind to reach out to you about coming in the show and i don't remember what it was uh but i remember you your your number was always in my phone for probably i don't know another 10 years maybe before it finally like wiped everything out of my phone when i got the upgrade or whatever um oh wow so i'd be scrolling through you know gonna call somebody or whatever and nick storch was always so it was always like fresh in my mind for years and years and years uh anyway the long story short uh it wasn't in there anymore but i don't remember why i wanted to reach out to you to talk on the show there was something specific that made me think of you and i was like shit i should have nick on the show um, I've been trying to do some more shows with people in the industry and, and, uh, versus just straight up musicians or actors or comedians or whatever. Um, cause it's a fascinating side of things that I don't know a ton about myself, even though I was in it. So, uh, <laughs> here we well, are. Hey, it's flattering, uh, that you thought of me. Um, I was trying to be a little prepared and I listened to some of the Lars Fredrickson interview uh, oh, last night and, uh, <laughs> I, you know, it's, you know, it's so funny cause the world is small, you know, like there's people I know that are friends with him, but I've never, I met him once at one tour, but I was too young to, he's just, I was just a dorky fan, but you know, I'm still enamored with what he does and how he does it and, you know, all that good stuff. So it was super cool to hear you talk to him. Dude, that was a that was a like a dream come true because I've I've my white whale is Tim Armstrong and that's because he he lives like a homeless man but he yep. and and like moves like everything he does is just like you can't get in touch with him like it's it's uh and anyone who can won't 
<laughs> so it's like, yes. what the hell, you know? So I'm, I'm stoked you listened to that, ap- that episode first because that one was extreme uh, with the <laughs> fucked up things that he did as a child. Uh, it, yeah. I kind of heard some, it kind of came and went because I was, I listen to podcasts sometimes as I'm falling asleep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but what I caught, I enjoyed. And, you know, I just, I've, he's, he's been my favorite punk rock guitar player, you know, pretty much forever. And that band just has continued to mean a lot to me. You know, even now at, at 41 years old, I still, that band is, uh, really important to me. Dude, that's awesome. That, that, yeah, they're fantastic. And he's a, he's an awesome dude. He, yeah, I've, oh, that's some fucked up stuff though. Um, anyways, that's a good spot to start the, uh, start listening to the podcast too, is, is, uh, I'm always interested in which one, if someone's never heard the show before, which one they go to first, if they scroll back a year or two, or if they scroll back, you know, 10 episodes and start, but, um, yeah, that's a good, that's a good intro into the, into the podcast as far as, um, seeing what it's all about. And, uh, have you done many podcasts before? This is my third. Really? Yeah. Wow. Is that, are you saying wow because that's a lot or that's a little? No, that's that. I figured you would have done more than that. You've been a you've been you've been out there in the music business for a long time, and you you work yeah. for a fucking crazy huge company too. <laughs> well, crazy huge clients. I mean, I don't know how big the company is necessarily, but going through that roster, I was like, holy shit. Metallica's on that roster, dude. I know you don't represent Metallica necessarily. Maybe you do. I don't know, but I do not. Uh, I, I, but you know, your company does. Do That's correct. Yes, man. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. No, I've only done this is my third, and I don't. I, I don't know, man. I, I uh, how do I say this? I don't love the business side of this. It's obviously a, a necessary evil. Mm-hmm. But I really, I'm. It's interesting. The last few months, I've really started to. I'm really reevaluating whether I'll do more of this kind of stuff. At least if it's only coming from like the business angle, because mm-hmm. um, I just don't enjoy discussing it. I enjoy the creative aspect, the fandom, the the passion. I enjoy the creative journey that we help these people on. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say that I don't. I understand how the sausage is made and all the necessary pieces, but. I just don't, that's just not what I care to discuss or, or really am comfortable. I can't articulate it in the way that I want to. Whereas for me, the reason I'm in all this and still care 19 years later is I'm still an avid uh, music fan. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Absolutely. Because right now, like what I do for work at my daily job is a, I'm a commercial plumber. So I work on hospitals and, and, uh, new construction, new, new pipes, blah, 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 blah. But if someone wanted me to come on a podcast and talk about plumbing, which ironically has happened where I've gone on as a guest, but we end up talking about plumbing and I fucking hate it because <laughs> plumbing <laughs> is what I do. It's not what I am. And the same thing with, with your situation and what I'm gathering is, is, you know, you're a booking agent, but that's not who you are. You know, it's what you do for work and it's something you're really good at. Um, you know, otherwise you wouldn't be doing it after all this time, but I absolutely understand what you're talking about. And that's one thing with this show too, is it's not, it's not about something specific, you know, it's, it's not, mm-hmm. it's a conversation. It's not something I'm literally sitting here. I don't have any paper in front of me. I don't have any notes. I don't have any, and I don't like, I, I like to see where things go naturally. And, um, you know, even with, with Lars too, I had zero, I had zero notes, nothing like 
went wow. into it and just, and that's the way, because then I'm in the game, right? Like I'm in the same position you are. It puts us on right. the same playing field. I'm not sitting here with all this information uh, ready to, you know, fire it off. Like, ooh, I know this and this and this and this. You know, it levels things out. And to go on one quick tangent, the same thing with podcasting in general. When Apple made everything free for podcasting, they put mm -hmm. everyone on the same level. They put everyone on the same playing field. Joe Rogan, me, my neighbor can all do it, right? There's no gatekeeper. There's nothing. And that's what made it so special. And that's what I try to preserve is, is, you know, a conversation between two people. You happen to be in the music business. I used to be in the music business. I'm now far removed from it, but also close. Um, anyway, but I want to know about you because I don't know much about you. And I do have one thing that I wanted to know about uh, okay. because I was close to it with what you did. And that's New Weathermen. Because uh, okay. we went on tour with Heavy Heavy Lolo right after you signed them and that first record came out. Uh -huh. And we were talking, that's that's how you came up again to me uh, years later was we were on tour with them and New Weatherman. I was like, what's that? And they're like, oh, Nick Storch started a label. I was like, Nick Storch. Awesome. <laughs> so we did a full U.S. with uh, with those boys. And they are some of the craziest motherfuckers I've ever known. Uh, yes. Some of the weirdest, but just totally genuine who they are people, right? Like just they're, they're all, they're like a boy band. They all have their own little things that they're good at. And then, but they're also just like, people are scared of them because they're just themselves. You know, uh -huh. it was dangerous. It was like, it, it gave me that excitement again, but I, but I don't know much about that venture when you did that imprint. I know you only put out a few releases and it was kind of, uh, here and then gone, but I was curious on that because I, I don't know anything about it except Heavy Heavy Lolo and then Foxy Shazam, I think. So, if you don't mind, because uh, I that that was no, awesome. happy to talk Those about records it. Records were rad. Well, th first off, thank you. Uh, you know, it, it, that was a time in the business where a bunch of the and a bunch of it was starting to be cool to diversify what you did. So. If you're an agent, you wanted to have whether it was a clothing company or a record label, um, and others have done it. And, and I was like, "Well, I want to be. I'm cool. I know what I'm doing. I'll do this too. And I'll learn another side of the business. Um, you know, I want to make records. I think I know what to do. And I met Heavy Heavy Lolo through the Follow Troy guys, um, and. I just loved the first the EP. I just went bananas for it. I thought it was incredible. And I don't even know how. I don't remember like how things went. I just remember the same things you just said. They were absolute bananas. <laughs> I mean, I still remember Danny having Aquafina on his ta uh, tattooed on his hands. Yes. <laughs> um, I remember going to see. They made the record with Casey Bates. And I remember two things about that. Well, three things about that trip. The first one was, I remember we were leaving the studio going, we went into town, we were back in to stay at the, the house at Casey's, like where his studio was, and it was the first time I heard the Arcade Fire, and for whatever reason, I was just so enamored with the sound of what I had heard. Um, and then I there was one song on the record that I, I'm going to put this in air quotes, helped produce, I guess I could say, because I tried to give guidance of what I thought 
the song needed, uh, which was, you know, me more just stroking my ego, but it was fun to I went metal very, very young and living that life, and I was not. So, um, and, and, you know, it's funny, I recently reconnected with Chris, but we kind of come in and out of each other. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Do you got oh, me? Yeah, I got you. You were cutting in and out there for a second. Sorry. I I wasn't sure if you were moving around. Um, you said you reconnected with Chris, Chris Fritter? Yeah, I did. All through Instagram or what? How did you guys reconnect? Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, through Instagram. Like, okay, I saw that they were too. playing shows again. <laughs> yeah, I saw they were playing shows, and I was like, oh, I'm kind of sad. I wish they had contacted me, but it's all good. Um, but, yeah, man, I it's, it's cool to kind of keep tabs and – yeah, I love that band. I, I, you you nailed it. They were there was something dangerous about them. There was something off-putting about them, and they didn't have real typical song structures, and it was just off the wall. So yeah, and it was, it, and they fit right in with so many places. But at the same time, I mean, they stood out. But they it made sense that they were on certain tours. But then once you saw them, like you didn't remember anything else that night except for them, and it was like yeah. this. Uh, I mean, Danny used to jump out of fucking uh, little little spots in green rooms naked and like run at you or yep. like uh, Robbie and his infinite movie knowledge. And then just being such an interesting guy. Like I remember they were talking, maybe was it Casey? Because we were talking about Casey Bates did the record. Maybe I right. was up with Casey doing something else, but he was talking about Robbie would go in and do his vocal parts and Casey's like, all right, let's do that again. And he'd be like, no, nah, that's good. <laughs> and he's like, wait, what? No, uh, no, it's good. That's that's fine. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right, actually. <laughs> yeah. But it, and yeah, it sounds like it on the record, too. It's like, that's a first take easily, but it's like, it's perfect. It's captured the fire. That's true. It's funny because there was one, the one song I kind of helped guide was that, and I say that so, like, not trying to act like I'm a big deal or know how to do that stuff because I don't, but there was one song they wrote and Danny had this part in the middle and I just I didn't think he had the, the right sound and he, was like, he just was I think he was kind of confused um looking back that he was like what are you doing this isn't how I do it but he still did it you know he took direction which was cool yeah um but uh yeah but back to your question about the label I just I wanted to I just you know I wanted to be part of what all the other people were doing and then the Foxy thing came out came to me because Jesse Corman uh you know because I was booking number 12 sent me this band and i remember the first time we're like what the fuck is this this is trash <laughs> and then one saturday afternoon i put it on again for what i don't even know and all of a sudden it clicked and i was like oh my fucking god i've got to have this band i love this band um signed them we did the introducing record with casey i remember kind of again I, I, my limited knowledge i was like i just want this to sound like pinkerton it needs to have that raw but mm -hmm. you know, let, letting the letting the songs really speak as opposed to having this overproduced sound. Um, and I still look listen to that record, you know, a few times a year, and I still think it holds up. And then they got picked up by a big manager. Uh, the record got upstream to Warner, which is still crazy to me that that happened. Um, and you know, they went on to have a you know a modicum of success. Mm -hmm. And then, funny enough, about a year, I mean, I, I've always stayed in touch with those guys. Um, but you know, now they're working on their return as we put up their first show right before the pandemic. Um, <laughs> and now we're, now we're sitting in purgatory waiting to 
see what all this means. But yeah, I, I love that band. And I've, I finally feel like I can articulate what Eric is, at least to me, which is, I think he's the Andy Kaufman of, of punk rock. There you go. Um, and I just think he's so his, his performances and the way he is. I just love it, man. That's awesome. I, I, and, and cheers to you for, for doing that, taking that step and, you know, putting out, I mean, making an imprint, like putting yourself out there, you know, especially, you know, switching roles for sure. But I mean, you put out some awesome shit and it was, oh. and that's, a, that's, it's, that's great. Like that was through, that was through ferret, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. With Carl. Okay. Yep. So that was, uh, I, I really wanted to talk about that because it was, it was something I've been interested in since, you know, I, even when I first like Nick's torch doing a label, huh? Interesting. Um, and that was Robbie. I think Robbie's the one who told me about it. And I remember being in the van. We, we'd let the, some of those guys ride with us every once in a while. And, uh, we were in the van and chip, which I can't remember his actual name. I don't, it's not chip, but, uh, I don't need it, but it was, yeah. Uh, the guitar <laughs> player. He, yeah. Anyway, yep. uh, the guitar, yeah. Uh, we went into like a strip mall or something. He went into an office max and stole a bunch of fucking, uh, air duster, um, <laughs> canned air. And he's yeah. sitting in the, like the seat behind me. I'm in the front seat, like passenger driving. And all I hear is this. And I look back and he just got like his eyes rolling back in his head. And then he starts talking like the devil. And it was so weird. I'd never seen, even growing up in Alaska, I never uh, huffed anything or like did any of that stuff. So I had no idea what happens, but apparently it like freezes or does something to your vocal cords because of the, the cold, but then all your brain cells go crazy. So he would literally, his voice would drop like three octaves and he'd just start talking to you really slow in the deepest voice you've ever heard. And I will never forget it. We were terrified, <laughs> absolutely yeah. terrified. Like what the fuck is going on in our van? And then he passes out in the, in the trough where the sliding door is and just li- like laid there for like an hour, hour and a half, just passed out. <laughs> And that was it. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. You, you actually, you actually just made me remember my first time ever meeting them. Which, so they, they were trying to come meet me in Brooklyn uh, when I lived in Greenpoint, which at the time was not somewhere you would want to go, contrary to what it has become. But uh, met them in a parking lot. They get out of the the van, and I think Danny was the first one to approach me. He's like, "Hey, man, you got any drugs?" and i'm i'm not a i don't think i'm funny i don't think you know sometimes i just miss a joke and i was just like uh no (laughs) i'm trying to sign your band to a record label uh so (laughs) so yeah uh but uh, yeah i I, that's i'm i will always always be proud of having worked with that band as wacky as they were um because i love the records they made um and i think you know, in a weird way, I always felt like they were more Black Flag than anything else. They were just—they were a punk band because they didn't—they didn't give a fuck. They did what they wanted, and that was that. Yeah, yeah. Like I put Robbie up there with like David Yao and like uh, just people that they're like front men that are just like or Alexis Marshall, like uh, from Daughters. Like, just there's something in them that's not in other people. You know, like they just have mm-hmm. this thing and. Even if he did a whole set, not even looking at the crowd, it was still captivating yeah. because you could see his like you could see through his shirt, like his body convulsing and like how much he was putting into his performance uh, 
like he couldn't help it. Like it was just like, ooh, like you're when you're throwing up, like it was just <laughs> involuntary, like spasming. And then you've got, you know, all the other goofy shit going on. Was Danny wearing just little shorts uh, when he came up to you, like sandals and little shorts, regardless of the weather? That was the other funny thing. He always had that little pair of shorts on and like a big jacket in rain or shine. Always shorts. Yes. I, <laughs> she and, can and see his, all his tattoos. All, all his sticking poke tattoos. Yes. Yes. Him and Tim, him and Tim uh, from the fall of Troy were giving each other tattoos and giving everybody tattoos. Like everyone was getting these like shitty little like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely hilarious. Like last a lifetime <laughs> tattoos that look like your five-year-old did it. Like it was amazing. Yes. Absolutely yep. amazing. Well, okay. <laughs> so heavy, heavy Lolo. Awesome. And I love each and every one of them. You know, it, it, I say these things in an endearing way because Same. they're just amazing people, but the shit they do is fucking hilarious. And uh, yeah, anyway, but thank you for bringing them to the forefront of, uh, or as far as you could, you know, because <laughs> that's a, that's important. You know what I mean? But, uh, so tell me about you. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Uh, stayed there until I was 18, moved to, moved to Philadelphia to go to college. Uh, stayed there another four years after graduating, went to Philadelphia, or sorry, went to New York for 13 years, and then we've been in Toronto for two and a half. Man, what what uh, what college did you go to? I went to LaSalle University. LaSalle, what did you go for? Communications. Communications. Me too. Which is just a jerk <laughs> off. <laughs> yes, it is. This will show you how on, like I was, I just had no wherewithal of the world at that time in my life. Um, I remember I visited two schools. I, uh, sorry, three schools, Chippensburg, cause I had been there on a track meet earlier in high school. Uh, I went to temple and LaSalle and Chippensburg lost its allure for me. Cause it was out in the middle of nowhere. And we went to Temple, and my dad's like, uh-uh, this, this is too rough for you. We go to LaSalle, and uh, I was like, it's expensive. This is cool. Not knowing, not realizing really at the moment that my parents couldn't afford it, and I'd have to pay. I'd have student loans for years and years. So I just was like, all right, cool. This works. It costs money. Maybe it's good. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I, uh, I remember. <laughs> Communicate. Great, yeah, great logic on my part. Mm -hmm. But I remember after the first semester coming home and being like, yeah, I think I might drop out. My mom crying in the next room because, like, why, why would you do this? Because oh, <laughs> I just didn't know. And I, you know, but I said a lot of stupid things as a kid. Like, and uh, I once told my parents or my mom at dinner, I vividly remember saying, Mom, I want to do drugs like Motley Crue because there had been an article about Tommy Lee in the newspaper getting arrested for drugs. And uh, she was, she, I don't know how she let it roll off her back, but she did. But she kind of in one ear out the other. But yeah. You Just said, I want to do drugs like Motley Crue? Yes, I did. <laughs> to your mother. <laughs> yeah, I was in fifth grade. Fifth grade, yeah. <laughs> little, little Hellraiser already. Dude, that's hilarious. And just, yeah, just, oh, this is the things kids say. I bet you she called everyone she knew later and like, you'll never understand. But Nicholas, oh. Nicholas said this to me. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. Yeah. That's before oh, yeah. social media, way before social media. That's when you call everyone on the, your long distance line and the whole relay starts happening. Like the first oh, time my yes. mom found cigarettes in my bedroom and I said they were a buddy of mine's, which they weren't. 
And uh, she literally was on the phone for three hours. And that was to probably 30 different people crying. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yep. it's just the way it went back then. That's Man. true. So, <laughs> and we're kind of jumping around a little bit, which is fine because I it, things are sparking here where I, you, are you still straight edge? Yes, the, the drug comment brought up to me. I knew you had to be young when you said that because you've been straight edge a long time, right? You, I've been all, your whole life. I was, yeah, basically all my whole life. Yes. Okay. So when did when did that hit you? Was it was it like everybody else from our time period, like uh, with the whole like Fugazi, and then like, or was it after like the hardcore scene took took part in it? Um, it was. So like I think like every kid you you want to fit in, um, and I was not cool coming up. Um, but got invited to a party, so in my head a party was booze everywhere, orgies, girls want to make out with you, just everything you would you've seen in the movies. You know what I mean? And it was I still remember it. It was absolutely the most boring thing I'd ever. I was like, this is what everyone's talking about. Uh, and my best friend, Rod, who's still one of my best friends today, he's like, yeah, man, this isn't cool. I was like, you're right. And it was at the exact same time, my friend Mike and I had been really getting into punk rock and hardcore. And okay. I don't remember the impetus, but I was 15, almost 16, and or maybe just turning 16. But yeah, we found Straight Edge, and it just kind of fit everything about us as a group of kids. And there's four of us that are still very close to this day and still talk all the time and we don't see each other as much of course because we've all you know most of us have families and and stuff like that but um it just was that you know back in our day when there wasn't an internet you would (laughs) you'd go to the record store you're buying that i'm buying that and tomorrow before before class we'll trade we'll trade tapes and i'll give you what i got and my best friend mike and i i mean i remember being yelled at in eighth grade science class by mr martin he gave us time to work on our assignments and Mike and I went to the back of the class to look at, I think hip Raider or metal edge or one of those and made an example by yelling at us. Like, why give you time to work on your homework? You should do it. You know? And we were like, no man, we want to look at Allison Chains t-shirts and, and like <laughs> see what bands we like. And, you know, we still share bands to this day of bands we like and all that kind of good stuff. So, yeah, dude, that's incredible. I used to do the same thing with in class, like study hall all time with uh, there was this kid and I forget his name, but he always had like the hit Prater magazine and the the circus magazine. Um, oh, yes. They had like the full page pictures and it was we would like trade trade. So like like I was a huge fan of corn back then. So I wanted all uh-huh. the corn shit and then he wanted all whatever, like like typo negative or like anything that wasn't corn. Right. Like I was obsessed in in high school and and. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey. I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from Equal Vision Records. As you guys know, Equal Vision Records is my family, and so are these bands. I really want you to check these out. We've got Hot Water Music with their 10th studio album, Vows, out May 10th, featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Color, Thrice, The Interrupters, and Brendan and Daniel from Turnstile. See them on the 30th anniversary tour with Quicksand in the States in May and June and Europe in November. Hotwatermusic.com for more info. We also have Be Well with their new 7-inch, A Tap I Can't Turn Off, out now. 
first new music in two years from this band. This band is incredible, featuring members of Battery, Bane, Darkest Hour, and Fairweather. See them on tour with I Am The Avalanche in June. Equalvision.com for more info on that. And just your general information on Equalvision Records, you're always going to find something you like at Equalvision.com. Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and Be Well's new 7-inch now. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, They have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working, as most people are, online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, You can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. 
There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. Cause I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. Uh, that, that time was so magical too with, with when you said tapes, like recording tapes, mixtapes and uh, being able to tape uh, from from things like it was such a weird thing because like CD burners weren't really a thing. And like right. uh, even when they were, it was a pain in the ass. Like I remember just putting I used to tape off the radio and I would just press oh, yeah. record and then go do something and come back and cycle through it and kind of decide what I liked and what I didn't. But having access, like direct access to copy something immediately and hand it out, like that was probably responsible for a lot of like bands' careers, you know, exploding is, is tapes. Like, oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, funny going back to the beginning when we were talking about other podcasts, but that podcast, Winds of Change, uh, I don't Dude, know if is you that out yet? It. Yes. And it is oh, fan fuck. fucking tastic. But they talk about that, how they became big and how the Scorpions became big in Russia because of tape trading. Yes. Okay. So I won't, I won't ruin it for you, but man, I thought it was a fantastic podcast. I really enjoyed it on so many levels. Okay. So this, this podcast came to me like a commercial on another podcast and I listened to that. The next day I was on the phone with uh, John Feldman. We were talking, I had him on the show. And we're talking, and from a songwriter like specific thing, I was like, "Dude, have you heard of the the theory that the Scorpions' Winds of Change was written by the CIA?" And he said, "No." And I thought it was like a a video or something, but the video I had seen was a preview for the podcast series. So after the the interview was over, uh, we were texting back and forth. Like he had some breathing stuff, anxiety stuff he was doing. He was sending me, and then I sent him the the. Uh, link to that podcast video and i didn't know it was out yet but i i have to check that out immediately because uh that is fascinating to me uh to i don't think. i won't say anything Dude. i won't ruin it for you but it's i ripped through it in a day really so good yeah wow. because there's interviews with there's an interview with doc mcgee and you know he was the, he also managed motley crew at the time uh -huh. and you know and doc is still active he still manages kiss so 
to hear it just yeah i, I don't want to say anything else i don't i don't even want to i don't want to overhype just just do it <laughs> okay i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna dig into this i'll probably dig into it tomorrow uh at work so just i can just put on whatever i want and listen to it which is going to be awesome uh I'm so glad you brought that up too, because that's it's such a cool. I'm I wouldn't have even known it was out yet. I've been so bogged down with whatever else, like I just head down, like. Uh, but that was one thing that sparked my interest. Like with podcasts, a lot there's a lot that doesn't interest me, uh, just because it's like you know uh, it's what I do now to where it's really got to be something out there that I that makes me want to actually listen to it. And uh, yeah, that was one of them. Man, so tapes. So like I think <laughs> I think they should put what's that what's that main uh ah oh, fuck there's certain certain years I think that the um I can't remember the name the brand of tape that everyone got like TDK or something else uh should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame I think for for their contribution to the music industry oh, because yeah. of how much I could I could I couldn't even count how many bands I was turned on to from tapes. I mean, oh my gosh, yeah. I found Metallica I through a tape. Like it was the Black Album was on a tape that a kid had in the back of the school bus in middle school. Like, uh, yeah, like, and then getting so excited to make a tape for somebody. Like that that High Fidelity movie, like, made it kind of cool too to see in a movie. But I mean, you could put into word, put into someone's head what you wanted to say and couldn't say with words with a mixtape. As cheesy yeah. as it sounds, I mean, not even just for a girl or something like your friends, like, dude. Oh yeah. Fuck, that's awesome. Tell me some of these, like, some of the highlights of your tape making days, or like bands you've bands you've discovered from someone else's mixtape. Oh man, I don't remember the mixtapes as much, but I mean, sorry, I'm just trying to do a quick scan of my life. I mean, so my yeah, figure it out real quick, Nick. Here you go. <laughs> well, 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 you know what's so funny? So my whole introduction to music was really was predicated on tapes, but my so I played baseball as a kid. I was very small, and I remember my, I had an uncle who was into music, and he knew I liked Bon Jovi and Motley Crue. And I remember him, he said, "Look, if you get a hit, I'll make you that Guns N' Roses tape you want." And it took me a while, and but once I did, like he gave me. I remember him giving me like a shoebox full of tapes. And but I got I did get my Guns N' Roses tape, and uh, wow. that was really a big time for me. Was that stuff? Um, yeah, it was that ACDC. But he wasn't really into like he definitely wasn't into Metallica. Um, I did obviously got into Metallica pretty quickly after, but he was more into you know the, the ACDC hard rock radio hard rock stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but that was really the introduction for me. Was that was my uncle. Dude, this is this is interesting because this is really interesting because this is like episode 148 or something like that and I have never heard of music being used as a reward uh for <laughs> anything from anyone. Like that has never been something someone has said. It's either my dad burned my records or broke my records or took my CDs away or uh you know like my parents either didn't want me or were supportive of me. You know, like Jeff Rickley was talking about um, his parents used to take him to shows when he was really young, like crazy shows. And but I've never heard of music as a reward like that. That's super interesting that you were that much into it, that that was like something you wanted to do. Like, I got to get this oh, tape. Yeah. Well, 
it goes even like so the whole impetus for, for my love because I liked music when I was like littler, but I, I we we had moved to the third house we lived in. I think I want to say some fourth grade, maybe fourth fifth grade, and my sister and I thought it would be cute to lip sync a Bon Jovi song to my for my parents, and <laughs> you know a broom. I've got a broom as a guitar or something, and I'll never forget. We finish. And they're like, oh, that's really cute. And then it was like almost like time stood still. And they went, but don't take this too serious. And it was <laughs> almost like a scene in a movie where I was like, oh, really? And <laughs> here I am 35 or however many years later. And I, I have no other hobbies. I don't give a shit about anything else with the exception of my family. Yeah. But like everything I do revolves around music in some way. Um. Yeah, that's all I've cared about my whole life. Wow. So you, so you growing up were athletic, like that you were into sports until music took over. Is kind of Absolutely. what happened. Okay. So Absolutely. And which which sports and being decent at sports is what gave way to getting what you wanted from music to then shut out all of the everything else to put the well, cloud I mean, over everything else. It's all music from then on. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm I'm five six, so. I wasn't ever destined to play sports. Oh, I remember. Uh, I remember. So um, my, I remember uh, going into high school, or going into ninth grade. I'll never forget the gym teacher calling me and saying, you got to play football. You're really fast. You'd be great for the team. And I was like, dude, I'm going to get murdered. No. Um, and then I transitioned to the track because it was, a, it was more individual. It was a bunch of misfit kids that were, you know, you, I, I did really well in track, but you could just be a weirdo. It wasn't about being on a team. Um, but yeah, everything, 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 everything was music based. Everything. Wow. So Guns N' Roses, the Guns N' Roses tape you're you're getting that hit for ended up getting yep. you a whole box of tapes? Yes. Wow. Do you remember what was in there? A bunch of ACDC, uh, Crocus, let's maybe say CCR, Led Zeppelin. Wow. I had a, it's funny because I had a Led Zeppelin phase in fifth grade. So like now when I should, like I just haven't really actively listened to Led Zeppelin really since fifth grade because I feel like I already did it. And that does, <laughs> I don't mean like, Oh, I'm cool. It's just more of, I went in other directions, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I remember I used to listen to the song remains the same live album at, for a whole summer. Every time we went to the pool, um, that's what I was listening to. So man, did you ever so like another thing that comes up a lot too is is um band shirts for like if someone's like a summer camp or in high school they would put on a certain band shirt and kind of would look for others that that were like-minded people and kind of discover so like like Glassjaw is a good example like Daryl and Beck meeting through like band shirts like saw each other across the way uh I forget yep. what shirt it was but like that started basically glass jaw and that relationship band shirts. Did you, so this tape, this was in, this was before fifth middle grade. school, the fifth grade. So like middle yeah. school, high school, is that kind of how you identified yourself through band shirts or did, were you just kind of uh, more of a, like a, uh, if someone saw you walking through the hall, they wouldn't know what you were into. Oh no, they were. I was okay. very outspoken about who I was. Um, that's one thing I will I have to always give my parents is that 
they were very supportive of me through all through through high school of just kind of being myself. Um, so whether I had spiky hair or bleach blonde hair or wearing Rage Against the Sheen t-shirts or Marilyn Manson t-shirts or whatever, um, my parents were always super supportive. So yeah, no, it was very clear. I remember the jocks didn't like us cause we were straight edge. Um, uh, what else? So, I mean, my best friend, like, I don't know that we, I, I don't think that my friend group in high school came from being into music, but we all kind of got into it at the same time. Um, and went through the discovery process together. Um, yeah. So it wasn't the same as the guys from glass drop, but I know that theory very, very well. Um, and I wish that kind of still existed in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I wish there was, and this sounds really cheesy to say, but I wish there was a hot topic around when I was that age, because now I don't even think about it, but, Back then, it was kind of hard, especially in Alaska, to find the shirts you wanted unless you went on, like, like the back of a magazine. Like, Rockabilly was always on the back of a magazine. Um, totally. Or, like, the, the hip record store in town would have, uh, you know, four or five shirts and you could choose from if you weren't going to be the, uh, you know, at the show where you would actually, you know, buy the shirt. It was always hard to find that kind of stuff. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you know, it's so funny. So I'm in my, I mean, I'm standing in my basement because it's the only quiet place. So my kids won't go crazy <laughs> and decide they need something from me. But about three, a few months before I moved to Canada, um, I started collecting vintage band shirts and I've been obsessed with it since. And I'm like literally staring at a, a stacks of them in my basement. You collect they don't, I do what? now. Yeah. Interesting. I love it. It, it, it I was telling my down there, we had a long catch up today and I was telling him how, cause he's like, Oh, you know, so do you like it up there? I was like, I love it. And then coupled with being in a, here, I rediscovered my fandom of music through collecting shirts because a lot, it started with going, Oh my God, I always wanted that Metallica shirt, but didn't have the money. Didn't have, like you said, didn't have access to it as much yeah. or for whatever, you know, like I, in, in ninth grade, I didn't have a freaking job. I, I it couldn't go like run to the store and just drop, you know, whatever it costs. So now as an adult, it's like, yeah, I can go get that Metallica shirt and I can, it just, it keeps building. You're like, oh my God, I've always wanted that. Or I like, <laughs> I got a body count shirt. And it's like, yes. so I just, I love, I love this stuff. It really does mean a lot to me to like, I got a face to face shirt in the mail that I got from eBay and I, I work with the band now. And I, I told Trevor, he's like, you paid for that, man. I was like, yes. <laughs> and I'm so happy about it. Cause I, I remember I still vividly remember going to see them at the Trocadero and the insanity. What that was the show that, was, that they played and just uh-huh. so yeah, man. That's yeah. I I'm literally staring at like so many shirts right now. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. So you so you're just buying stuff on. Are you buying stuff in your size so you can wear it, or is it stuff you're just yes? Yeah, okay, so you're no. wearing them. Yeah, I'm not interested in. I, a I don't try to flaunt it. B I have no desire to just buy them and stick them in a box that nobody sees them. Yeah. Um, I have a couple that I'm, I don't want to speak ill of my wife, but she's like, you're not wearing that in public. Um, <laughs> but they're collector pieces. Like I have the one guns and roses shirt, uh, from appetite with the, with the suspect cover on the back, um, that got banned. Um, but, and I have a couple typo shirts that no one should ever wear, but yeah, I, oh, yeah. I, 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 I only want to, I only want ones that I can wear because, Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, yeah. I, was, I, I don't buy ones that I don't for bands I don't care about. I only want shirts of bands I like. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so that so your hobby is now still music, like you were saying. Yeah. Even with shirts, that's fantastic. And that's so. Are is your are your kids into wearing band shirts? No, oh. no. My my oldest will do it, and he'll come up and be like, "Daddy, I know you love band shirts, so I put this one on today for you." Oh, um, that's sweet. <laughs> but he, they don't care. I mean, the little my little one who's almost three, he definitely seems to like music that we that I and my wife like a little more, and we'll like. You can see the positive reaction, but my oldest is just like, meh, it's not what I like, so I don't care. Yeah. Um, so, but, you know, I, I, we don't, we try not to push it on them because the last thing we want to do is turn them the other direction. Oh, yeah. I'm the same way. I didn't even, t- I didn't even like bring up guitar playing to either of my kids and my daughter on her own started. I found, I had a guitar in the closet that from like a thrift store um, and she was never interested in going to the basement where all my gear is and stuff. So like. And she just picked it up one day and started like strumming on it and like, man, I kind of like this. And so like, uh, like she, they got into watching Zach Wild videos on Instagram. Uh, cause okay. Blasco's a buddy of mine. So, uh, he, uh, I don't know if you know him, but he, he manages yeah. Zach. So, um, I would send him, they would tell me, like kids would tell me, like they'd strap on like a, like a fake guitar or something, guitar hero guitar or whatever. And, uh, can, can you say, can you send this to the funny guy? And uh, so I sent one to Blasco uh, while he was on the plane with Zach uh, to show him, like, hi, Zach. And they start, like, fake playing guitar or whatever because they're super inspired by his Instagram videos. And uh, cutest thing ever. But it was, like, it was hilarious because they were shocked. They're like, you can send that to him? Yeah. Yeah, I can. No way. And, like, just losing their minds. And that, like, inspired them to, to, you know, to jam more and try to actually. And so she started actually trying to play guitar, but she won't let me teach her how to do it. She wants to figure it out on her own. And I'm like, all right, here you go. Here you go. And it's it's off to the races. That's exactly what I did. I just started, like, trying to learn Stuntable Pilot songs or something in my my bedroom on a bass amp, like, with a bass. And then branched out anyways um so and so you're buying shirts on ebay you're buying like do you uh who was using someone was just selling a bunch of their old shirts on that what's it mercari or something or um jordan from newfound glory was selling a bunch of his old shirts um on there it was on like it was on mercari i think it's called never Uh, heard of that one it's like a new it's a new app. Um, anyways, he was posting it on like uh, Facebook or something, Facebook or Instagram that he was pu- putting stuff up there. But it was like vintage shit. But it was I was like, man, he's just like cleaning his closet out here. I didn't have that many shirts and, uh, you know, 10 or 12 shirts on there. And they're flying, flying yeah. out of there. How it's do you know? If, Go ahead. Sorry. How do you know if it's a bootleg or not? How do you know if it's legit? Because like all even now today, like, well, not today, but the last show I saw was tool at the Moda center and I'm walking in and there's five different people selling five different tool knockoff shirts. Like, is there a way to know? Yeah. I mean, you, it's just like anything like you'll cut, like I, the first things, a few things I bought, I didn't realize the process of how you figure out what sizes to get and all that kind of stuff. And then over time now I know like, Oh, it's, that's the kind of tag it has. I want it. I don't even need to know the measurements. I got that. That's what I want. Um, you know, I know the brands that were in the right ones and I still don't know everything. Um, 
and I, I would imagine I've probably been duped a couple times, yeah. but the reality is if it's, if it's the design I want and it feels right, whatever, Dude. <laughs> like this is all I do. I don't go out. I don't, you know, I don't have any other hobbies and I don't say that like poor me, but this is all I really am interested in. So it's like, yeah, cool by me. That's awesome that it's done it for you for so long, you know, like it's something that people can lose track of. Uh, music is. But once it gets its hooks in you, I mean, if you're truly a fan and and truly, you know, moved by it, it's uh, it, it's shocking to me that there's people out there that don't like music. Like, yeah. oh, I just don't like music. What the hell are you talking about? Like, yeah, I put on something and watch their foot start to tap and watch their, like, body start to move. It's natural. It's It's like breathing, you know? Like, it's crazy. It's something that predates language it, you could put on a metallica record for someone that doesn't speak english and they're gonna rock out to that song exactly how you are you know like you can it just it's it's created by us for us you know like it's like a did i just make a fubu reference there <laughs> I, I think you uh, did god Impressive. damn it oh <laughs> i'll see you on shark tank but the there uh <laughs> but it, it it moves you like how are you just not into music like you probably understand that more than anyone being it's been your life for so long when someone says that to you like has someone said that to you like i, I don't remember I don't the last music. time like i'm not into mm, it. i'll be honest with you i'm so insulated uh <laughs> that's a good point. like i can't i can't deal and i don't say there's any arrogance this is probably a flaw of anything else but I can't deal with normal people because I'm so used to my art world around other around artists and, you know, the business. And that's just what I love so much. So yeah. being around, so people who don't understand it, I don't, I just, it's a failure on my part, but I have a, I have a hard time relating. I could see that. Whereas, whereas my wife can talk to anyone. She's uh -huh. so good at just walking into a room and start talking to people and like getting rid of that awkward wall that exists. And just by the end they're it's like they're flowing. I can do it sometimes, but it depends on my mood. But by and large, I just want to be around people who understand. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. How do you deal with how do you deal with and this is like on just surface level, but how do you deal with if you have to do something with an artist you're not into what they do? Uh, is it something you can hold inside, or is it something that just gnaws at you? <laughs> well, like an I event or something, or like a function where you have to you know, like a, a like a band, a band or a, uh, an artist that you just can't stand, like what they can do, you it. can still, you can still, I mean, that doesn't throw you off. Mm, well, A, I only work, I've been very fortunate to only work with music that I love generally. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, granted, every, every connection is different, just like every romance is different. So, but I've been so lucky that you know, I get to work with what I choose now more than ever. And so I don't have to live. I don't have to fake it. Um, like all my, pa some of my passion projects became my biggest clients. And so I just kind of let that continue to inform me. So no, I guess I'm not putting that, that position very much. That's awesome. You, you, you know, are doing just, it, man. I guess so. I don't know. I, I in my head, it's funny because my dad's like, you know, you're going to be 42 this year. And it's like, <laughs> but in my head, I'm still like 22, 23. I still just want to wear a shitty band t-shirt and jeans. I just want to talk about bands. And I want to like, it's sometimes funny, like to talk to my, 
my three friends from high school that were still super close, but they all have, you know, I guess what you would call straight jobs. Um, and they, I know that they still love this stuff, but not, they're not immersed like I am. So it's hard for them to maintain the, the relationship with music like I do. And dude, all I really, again, I look at merch websites all day long, you know, for my clients, other bands I like, I'm mm-hmm. on eBay, Etsy, Depop, you know, Grailed, all this stuff. Like that's just, I'm just so immersed with it um, that, yeah, I guess I just live in this little insular world. That's all I really, so to say to your comment about I'm in it, I, or I, I guess I'm doing it. Are you sure? I don't know. <laughs> dude, yes, I'm, I'm absolutely sure. You, you're getting the W on this one, dude, because you, I mean, you're doing things your way. I'm sure in your career there's been, I mean, uh, everyone in, that's coming up has to have like, hey, if you want this, you're going to have to do this. Like, you know, like oh, uh, yeah. you want this, you want me to sign this client. Uh, I'm going to, you got to book this tour for this band. And you're like, oh, fuck. You know, like. I mean, I've done it. But I've yeah, definitely done those things. <laughs> but now, see, you've you've transcended that now. And now your little bubble can be exactly what you want, including, uh, you know, Monday through Friday. So like, well, yeah, that's, that's killer. Yeah, I'm grateful that's for the that. ultimate goal in life, man. That's the oh, ultimate goal. Well, yeah, and, and, and you know, it's it's funny that we're having this conversation because it's my dad and I were having the same kind of chat today. It's just like, really, you know, I, I am I'm happy with any success that I have. I'm grateful for it. I I have put the time in, but all I really want to do is work really hard with the bands I love and I'm grateful to be a part of their careers, collect t-shirts, think about music and hang out with my family. I don't give a fuck about anything else. That's all I want. That's I don't need awesome. a big house. Don't need 50 cars. You know, it's what they're on. everyone tells what they want. There's no wrong way. I just, I know what I care about and that's really it. Yeah. That's, but you found that people look their whole lives for what they really care about, you know? People, people don't find themselves till they're 50 years old sometimes, you know, and it's funny that with music, it can be viewed as immature. I mean, and from a touring standpoint, as far as like a, like a touring band, it allows you to be young forever, right? Like you don't have to grow up. You don't have to get the straight job. You don't have to do it. I mean, especially once you get to a certain level, everything's done for you. You just make the music and you work an hour a day, right? Like you and that's also awesome but it's funny because you're on freeze while you're yes. on tour while your friends are going to college having kids blah 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 and you come back and it's like dude what have you, what have you been doing oh i went to south africa and played the same 10 songs again uh <laughs> you know but you you're traveling you know but it allows you to not have to grow up but when you do have yeah. to grow up and you can find what you want and keep what's special to you. I mean, that's the ultimate right there where, but it's funny what I was getting to is, is for some reason, music like, like can be viewed as immature, like, like, uh, wanting to wear band shirts or like, uh, put up the posters from when you were a kid, uh, you know, stealing posters from the show, you know, Oh, you can put that in your man cave or you can put the, you know, it's almost viewed as immature, <laughs> but if your kid right. gets into dirt bikes and cars when he's in fifth grade, that carries on through his adult years and it's not viewed as immature. Like what's the right. difference, you know? And I don't know. I think, you know, it's so funny. You, you're it's something that's been ruminating in my head brain, but it's like, I think when you like some of the music that we like, and then all of a sudden we're older, we've got families, but to still like rancid, it's like, really? Why not? What's wrong with that? Band? Exactly. You know, 
it's like so just because it's like louder music but i still like it it doesn't mean i'm immature it just means this music speaks to me this music makes me feel like my how i want to feel um yeah i don't know i i, I don't know i I remember being a kid and my father who was a high school dropout um, and worked many jobs, you know, sometimes was working three jobs at a time to make ends meet for our family was always pushing me to dress nicer and tuck my shirts in and get a haircut and, you know, think about my future. And I just kept saying no, and I'm going to do it my way <laughs> and knock wood. It worked. Yeah. Um, and he, and he's been incredibly, he couldn't be more supportive. He's always been supportive. Um, but you know, and now I'm like, and so yeah, I'll be 42 in the fall. All I want to, I just, now I don't even own, I think I own like one or two colored shirts. Like I won't even bother with a Fred Perry. If it's not a band <laughs> shirt, I don't care. I just, I, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I know it's so funny that this whole dressing up concept has definitely changed a lot since I was younger, but it's just, that's what's important to me is just doing it my way. That's awesome. See, that's the, so. that's, that's what I mean. Like you're doing it. Like you, you've made your path. You found, you know, your wife who is, you know, different, but also understands who you are. You have kids. Yep. They're learning who you are, whether they understand it or not. They're learning who you are and gleaning what they want from you. And then they're going to make their own way. But they're going to see, you know, the, the cool thing with, with this is, is you know, your dad working multiple jobs, like showing you that work ethic uh, young, right? Like, my yep. family's got to eat. Whether or not you re realized what was happening at the time, you gleaned from that, right? And now you bust your ass doing what you want to do, you know, versus what you have to do. But they're still going to see that work ethic. They're going to see that, you know, it's important to see that uh, a parent can be into something and enjoy something and be passionate about it. You know, like like uh, kids with parents in bands at tour, like, yeah, they're away yeah. a lot, but they see that but dad liked doing that. Like, that's what he did. Like that's, you know, and they can glean what they can from that, you know, like, uh, and maybe look past some of the absence because it's a, a necessary thing. You know, it's just interesting to see you're passing along the same values your dad had, but on your own terms, instead of just falling into the same thing that he had to do. Right. Right. That's yep. fucking killer. And I'm, sh and I'm sure that's why he's so stoked is, is, seeing that like he sees that work ethic in you and what you built and but he also sees that he was right he's gonna do it his own damn way he's not gonna <laughs> tuck in his shirt you know uh hopefully you know wear a cannibal corp shirt to a wedding or something like whatever the hell you want to do right you're the dude now you're the dude and i try uh, you know <laughs> it's just you know it's funny it's just important to me to remain humble and appreciative for all of it and not take it for granted or act like I'm better. It's just that I, I do know my path and then my path works for me, but I don't expect it to be what works for everyone else. You know what I mean? Sure. But you're not forcing it's, it on anyone and you're not, uh, nah. you know what I mean? Like if, if they're into it, they're into it. If they're not, they're not. And, and you're still going to do what you're going to do, right? You're not hurting yeah. anybody. You're, you're bettering yourself. You're, you're learning more things. You're, you know, making yourself happy, but you're also supporting your family. You know, you're not out buying band shirts, but can't afford to buy dinner. You know what I mean? Like, you're not letting it overshadow your responsibilities. You That's know? correct. Your kids yes, are taking care sensitive. of. You have dinner yep. tonight, but you also may have got a shirt in the mail. You know, you I, you yes. understand that part. You're not a you're not a you're not the the you know the the typical person that people would look at like, oh yeah, that dude in that Marilyn Manson shirt probably can't even feed his kids. You know, like, 
uh, <laughs> or he's probably working at the Burger King. Or it would, not that there's anything wrong with that, but like sites aren't set on what matters, you know, like anyway, that's a long tangent of, of <laughs> on that, but you know, all, all good. that's what happens. But, uh, dude, well, Nick, dude, I've had you on the phone for an hour, man. I, I, it goes fast, really fast, it really does. but, uh, it really does. Well, dude. when you ask me about my favorite things in the world, I mean, well, yeah, you know, it's easy. It's simple when you're like, Oh, well, you know, talking about the, you know, it's so funny. Cause I did an industry thing yesterday and I just, I just didn't enjoy it. And not that it needs to always be about enjoyment, but I talking about the mechanics of the business is just not as appealing. Yeah. But now I'm here to get on the phone with you and talk about shirt collecting and talking about some of the bands I've worked with that I still to this day love those albums and that they were those were really important times for me. Um, you know, that's that's where I get excited. Dude. So yeah, of course an hour goes by fast. <laughs> Hell yeah. And I'm stoked and I'm so glad and grateful that you came on and, and and thanks for the time, dude. I mean, you're a busy guy and, and I mean, we're all busy, but, and people say that all the time, but I mean, you're genuinely a busy guy. Like, and I, I appreciate the time and, and making the timing work and, and, uh, it's awesome to reconnect, man. And you're welcome on the show anytime. Uh, or just, I mean, hit me up. We talk music, whatever. It doesn't have to be on the show, but, um, thank you so much. And, and like I said, for like what we were talking about new weathermen, like, Thank you for for what you put into the world too of music. You know, I mean, you put bands out there in front of us, but at the same time, you actually put some stuff out into the world. Uh, you know, from what you were doing, um, with the label too, and and thank you for all that. I mean, it's inspiring people every night. You know, it, maybe not now at the pandemic, but you know what I mean. Like what you're doing has an impact on on music as a whole, and uh, well, that's, I'm appreciative. That's very very that's very kind of you to say that, and you know you've given me goosebumps because, you know, uh, I, not to keep saying the same thing, you know, in a different way, but it's just so, yeah, man, I, I, to the day I die, like the fact that music is such an important piece of my life, I think about it kind of all the time. Like my one friend, Paul, we talk about bands all like all day. Hey, what's this band about? Yeah. I don't think you're going to like it. Maybe run it. Or they will just bat back and forth, and all of a sudden you've got two new things to listen to, and it's just crazy that connective tissue that music is. Yeah, that um, we're for, we're in our early forties, and they're still amped to talk about the Misfits or you know a, a finding an old Metallica T-shirt. Um, that that still can have the power that it has, and not be like you said, viewed as immature. It still has this weight. I think that's so incredible. Yeah, absolutely, and it can mean just as much now as it did then. Like, even though it was new then, like, it's now it's sat with you. It's part of your DNA, you know? Totally. I I think I'm more a fan now because I can see it in a way that I couldn't when I was younger. Yeah. Obviously, it's different because I'm not in those, like, salad days years. But I'm, what's it called? Yeah, man, I just, I'm I'm still a super fan and I'm still grateful. I I went to the UK once and told the band that I I was not leaving the meeting until I was their agent. Um, (laughs) And they didn't even have a UK agent yet. And uh, it's funny because the the singer leaned into me and we hit it off immediately because we could talk old hardcore. And he's like, hey, mate, I think you'll be all right. And within the hour of me leaving, I got an email. But like, I was like, no, I have to meet with you guys. and I'm not leaving. And like, I still feel that way about, you know, these bands. Like, If I get excited, I got to have them that second. I must email them and contact them. I can't wait. And then I'm like waiting for the response and like that stuff. I love, I mean, my wife could tell you, I make my wife crazy with all this stuff, Dude, but that's wonderful. 
one day it'll be remembered that way and it'll be looked at fondly i'm sure where it's you know it can seem sometimes right now like sometimes you think you're bothering people or or you think you drive your wife crazy but eventually she'll look back on it and be like man that was pretty awesome you know oh man my wife is my wife is an absolute saint and a rock in our family and she used to be in the business so she gets it very like totally she's the best honestly like she's the reason it's all so good um because she helped redirect my brain you know Mm -hmm. like about about almost halfway through my career she really like i told her that work work would always be number one (laughs) and how she didn't run for the hills i just don't know yeah but she fixed me and you know, now I love my job, but my family does come first. So, she, but she supports and understands how I am rather than trying to change me. She just sort of gently guides me along the way and helps me stay on the path, but is super supportive. She's never not. Man. She's always been that. So that's excellent. Anyway. You can't ask for more, dude. You no, really can't. no, it's the dream. I, that's honestly, that's more of the dream than anything else. But yeah. anyway, I digress. Well, dude. <laughs> Thank you so much for for coming on the show, dude. And I really appreciate it. And and uh, like I say, Likewise. you're welcome back anytime, man. That's awesome. I, you're really good at this thing, this podcast thing. I tell you, for being the third one, I'm I'm shocked. I'm shocked. <laughs> like well, I said, dude, you you asked all the you you brought up all the things I can just ramble on for hours about. If you're gonna ask me about like contracts and deals, the call would have been over, dude. No one cares about ago. shit like that. No one. I mean, that shit has to happen. But that's the that's the machine, man. That's what people don't, uh, don't, I mean, it's not an industry podcast. It's not a, uh, uh, you know, for other agents to hop on and get inspiration from Nick Storch. It's for music <laughs> fans or fans of entertainment in general to get on and get inspired by somebody that may, may or may not work behind the scenes, you know? So, awesome, uh, well, I really appreciate the time and, uh, I'll let you get on to your evening and I'm going to go put my, my little monkeys to bed. Dude, same to you, man. Thank you so much. And, uh, and we'll be in touch soon. Sounds good. Take care. All right, Nick. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Nick Storch. What an inspiring dude. Uh, He's got his hands in so many things. And it's just cool to sit back and talk about music for a while, you know, with someone that, uh, you know, isn't in the band scene. And, you know, he's not he's not in a band. So it's awesome to talk to somebody else who appreciates, you know, music in the same way. And uh, it's always cool to get a different perspective and to reconnect with people from a long time ago. So thank you to Nick for coming on and uh, much love to him and his family. I hope his T-shirt collection continues to grow. And I hope you guys learned something from this one. Maybe heard some bands you hadn't heard of or or, uh, took a trip down memory lane of cassettes, which are coming back. And uh, yeah, what uh, what a cool thing. So anyways, big thanks to Nick. Big thanks to all you guys for coming back week after week. I really love seeing the numbers grow. Um, You know, the word of mouth is helping. The reviews are helping. uh, And we just keep plugging away. Um, We're just going to keep doing that, and we're going to keep chipping away at it. And, uh, yeah, it's really becoming something, guys. It's really a cool thing to experience uh, on, you know, my selfish end, being the host, uh, seeing the the growth and seeing uh, that it's become an established podcast and this world of podcasts to just keep uh everyone their brother keeps starting them but not a lot of people stick with it you know and and getting to 100 episodes is uh, a crazy feat nowadays with podcasts but we've well surpassed that and we're going to keep going so um keep coming back week after week and i'll keep throwing stuff at you all right guys i'm gonna get out of here got lots to do uh yeah but lots of big things coming as i always say because there always is and uh Yeah, as always, guys, 
We'll see you on the radio. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effie Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.